0: Well, you may be one of those people who starts a lot of jobs, but you have a tough time finishing them. Maybe you have multiple projects going on, but you haven't finished one of them. You know, Esther chapter 8 is about finishing the job. She's done some of the tough stuff Mordecai has too, but there's more to do. There's a little bit more grunt work, a little bit more detail that has to be taken care of. And that's what today is about, finishing the job, finishing well, today on Walking Truth. These are the teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. Before we get started with today's message, we want to let you know that this is a listener supported ministry. Call with your gift at 844-48-TRUTH. That's 844-48-TRUTH. Now here's Pastor Michael. Esther 8 verse 1. On that day, King Ahasuerus gave the house of Haman, the enemy of the Jews, Esther 8.1, to Queen Esther on that day. Now, the day is that same day, NIV, that Haman was hanged on the gallows that he had created for Mordecai. It was on that day. On that day that he was hanged, uh, his house, the house of Haman notice, was given to Queen Esther. So notice, it's the house, or we might say the estate of Haman. And remember, Haman is probably considered the prime minister of Persia. He's the second uh, most powerful man in Persia next to the king. And Persia is the leading world empire of the day. So he's a very powerful man. He would be something akin to the vice president of the United States. Uh, just to give you an idea of the power that he had. And now he has been hung on gallows that he had created for Mordecai. And remember, I mentioned to you that there are some who believe that the Persians had some role in creating crucifixion or some form of it. And so what he may have created is something like a pole by which people would be impaled. And remember that he built the pole right outside his house, 75 feet high, and it's very fitting that now his house or his estate is given away, and it's given away really to his what he would consider his mortal enemy, as you'll see in a moment. Notice that Haman is called the enemy of the Jews. His house, the house of Haman, uh, was given. The, the king gave it to Queen Esther, and Mordecai came before the king for Esther, notice, had disclosed what he, Mordecai, was to her. Now Haman's undoing is now almost complete. We'll see more in a moment. The evil man was gone, but the evil that he instituted or he got going was not completely dealt with. The decree of death still remained in place. And you will find that there's a mention in the book of Daniel at least three different times that the law of the Medes and the Persians are irrevocable. It is very strange that you have a world empire that would institute a decree or a law with the signet or signature of the king and they would make it irrevocable. So they could not, not even the king could revoke his own law. Talk about bureaucratic red tape. (laughs) They made it so hard on themselves if they made a mistake, if they did something that was unwise or wasn't the right thing to do it became irrevocable and so what Haman has done has has you know the evil man has been dealt with but the evil still continues you might think about Adolf Hitler at this point who you know did so much evil with the holocaust and there are still people today that laud him and want to continue his work as sad as that is so sometimes the man dies but the ideas don't die with him And in this case, an evil decree had gone out, irrevocable, and uh, it was still in effect. And so the evil man is dead, but his evil still continues. I want to pause for a moment and tell you that some of you have had some evil in your past. Maybe it was an evil influence. Maybe it was an evil person who perpetrated some things against you. And even though maybe they're out of your life, you're still uh, dealing with the ripple effects of that evil. And that is just the reality of life. Unfortunately, for example, in cases of abuse where somebody was abused, that person could be long gone from your life, but you're still reeling in some of the effects of that that was perpetrated upon you. And I'll just say to you that that's our world, unfortunately. And the thing that we need to rest in is in the grace of God, that God's grace is sufficient. Even if we still have to deal with some of those things that, have happened to us in the past and maybe even mistakes that we've made. So Haman's house being given to Esther and then to Mordecai is the irony of all ironies. You could call it the frosting on the cake of irony. Herodotus uh, notes that the property of a traitor to the Persian Empire was confiscated by the state of Persia and the king could dispose of it as he willed or give it to who he wishes. And so not only is Haman hung on the gallows he created for Mordecai, but now his whole estate is given to his enemy. If it is possible to roll over in your grave, I would imagine that Haman went into high rotation at this point. Because this is really the irony of all ironies. And of course, you'll notice that even though Technically, Haman would be the enemy of Mordecai. It does identify him as the enemy of the Jews. And if you're the enemy of the Jews, then by virtue of that, you become the enemy of who? Of God. Because God made a covenant to Israel. And he said, I will bless those who bless you. And I will curse those who curse you. In Genesis 15, he made an unconditional covenant to Abram. Abram was asleep when God passed through the animal parts as the smoking oven appeared and he cut the covenant, not dependent on Abram, but dependent on the promises of God. And even though the Jews have been often rebellious, stiff-necked, unbelieving, God is true to his promises. And so when Haman became an enemy of the Jews, he became an enemy of God. And if you fight God, I just want to inform you you are going to lose. Your arms are too short to box with God. There are people who try it probably every single day. Come on, come on, put them up, put them up. It's a wonder that more people are just not disintegrated on the spot. Hannah in her beautiful song to the Lord says, God raises the poor from the dust He lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with nobles and inherit a seat of honor. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's, and he set the world on them. He keeps the feet of his godly ones, but the wicked ones are silenced in darkness. Think of Haman. For not by might shall a man prevail. Those who contend with the Lord will be shattered. Against them, God will thunder in the heavens. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth and he will give strength to his king and will exalt the horn of his anointed. That's uh, from 1 Samuel 2, 8 through 10. That is Hannah's song. And so we are going to see some themes tonight of divine reversal, themes of joy and celebration and again the providential work of God as he works in the lives of Esther, Mordecai and of course the Jewish people. Mordecai himself is going to celebrate divine reversal in this chapter, as we'll see in a moment. And both of them have become instruments of deliverance for the Jewish people. Esther, this unassuming young girl, you know, brought into the palace, and Mordecai with those famous words, perhaps you've come into royalty for such a time as this. Could she have imagined that she would become the instrument or the vehicle by which God would save his people? And now it's at this point in the story that she actually comes clean. Look at 8.1. It says, The house of Haman was given to her, and Mordecai came before the king, for Esther had disclosed what he was to her. This whole time. Number one, the king doesn't know that she's Jewish. He's been living with a Jewish wife for quite some time and she's been hiding it well and number two he now finds out that Mordecai is actually not only her older cousin but her adoptive father (laughs) kind of like this hey hubby meet your (laughs) father-in-law what Mordecai yes He adopted me some years ago. My parents died. We're both Jewish. The decree of Haman was going to kill us. And this is all that comes out in the wash. And she finally gives full disclosure. She finally comes out of the closet. She finally comes clean. Have you? You know, sometimes what we do is we hide our faith, or we hide who we belong to, or we hesitate. And have you ever noticed, have you ever hesitated with a group of people or a person and then come to find out that they were actually hungry to hear what you believe? Or maybe they were interested in the things of God, or maybe you and finally decided I'll invite them to church and they said, okay. And you're like, what? <laughs> I I, I thought you were going to argue with me or say, no way, or get lost, Jesus freak. But instead, maybe you found a hunger. And so she might have said, hey, Mordecai is really my dad. And the king took off his signet ring, verse 2, which he had taken away from Haman and gave it to Mordecai. Now, it would have been interesting if this would have happened while Haman was being carried away you know, and the ring was taken off of him and given to Mordecai. Can you imagine how mad he would have been? No! Not only is he taken to the island of perpetual tickling, I had to mention it because I'm being told by keen observers that I bring up VeggieTales every week, so I didn't want to miss a week. So there it is. But anyway, the ring, the, the ring of power, if you will, the ring that gave him vested authority now taken and given to the man that he could not stand. And in many ways, Haman created it himself. Had he just cooled his jets and said, okay, this one guy won't bow to me, but look at everything else I have. He would have been fine. But we tend to focus on that one thing that we don't have. And it became his destruction. For so many, this is what happens to many Americans. And so, he gave it to Mordecai. You could say Mordecai is now the new prime minister. And, he, and Esther, the queen, set Mordecai over the house or the estate of Haman. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. We understand that time can really get away from you. The day-to-day hustle can sometimes leave little time for the more important things in life, like Bible study. Remember that Pastor Michael's teachings can be heard at any time, day or night, on walkintruth.com. You don't have to worry that you have to get out of the car right now, because today's teaching is already online, ready for you to listen when it's most convenient for you. Visit walkintruth.com today to hear all the teachings of Pastor Michael Lance. That's walkintruth.com. Did you know God's name is not mentioned once in the book of Esther? But His fingerprints are all over it. The famous verse, and who knows whether you have not attained royalty for such a time as this, tells us that Mordecai sensed God moving in the darkest of times. This is a story about ordinary, everyday people taking a stand and becoming vessels through which God saved a nation. The story is filled with satire and seriousness, but it ends with celebration as God turns things around for good as only he can get your copy of pastor michael lance's teaching of the entire book of esther for such a time as this yours as a thank you for your financial gift of 30 dollars or more to walk in truth visit walkintruth.com today that's walkintruth.com now back to pastor michael lance right here on walk in truth i thought you were going to argue with me or say no way or get lost jesus freak But instead, maybe you found a hunger. And so she might have said, hey, Mordecai is really my dad. And the king took off his signet ring, verse 2, which he had taken away from Haman and gave it to Mordecai. Now, it would have been interesting if this would have happened while Haman was being carried away, you know, and the ring was taken off of him and given to Mordecai. Can you imagine how mad he would have been? No! Not only is he taken to the island of perpetual tickling. I had to mention it because I'm being told by keen observers that I bring up VeggieTales every week. So I didn't want to miss a week. So there it is. But anyway, the ring, the, the ring of power, if you will, the ring that gave him vested authority, now taken and given to the man that he could not stand. And in many ways, Haman created it himself. Had he just cooled his jets and said, okay, this one guy won't bow to me, but look at everything else I have. He would have been fine. But we tend to focus on that one thing that we don't have. And it became his destruction. For so many, this is what happens to many Americans. And so he gave it to Mordecai. You could say Mordecai is now the new prime minister. And, he, and Esther, the queen, set Mordecai over the house or the estate of Haman. Mordecai now took Haman's house, his job, his ring, and his car. I added car. There's no cars in the Persian Empire, but maybe it was a chariot. Maybe it was a Maserati chariot. I don't know. And, you know, it's amazing. The divine turnaround that is here There's layers of it, and I'm sure you can see it. Everything that this man had, he now gave to a man, all because of his pride. Pride does go before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall. If Haman could have looked into the future, maybe looked a couple of days or a couple of months or a couple of years into his future and seen what his pride would have done to him, I'm sure he would have checked himself. I'm sure he would have stopped. I'm sure if he was shown the future, he would have said, oh, no, 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 I'm not going to do that. But somehow we believe that certain Bible verses don't apply to us. And that's where we go wrong. And so now... Everything that Haman has has been given to Mordecai. Everything. Sometimes, in all the darkness and desperation of a situation, if we're Esther and Mordecai, it's very difficult sometimes to imagine a happy ending. Can you imagine if you're Esther and Mordecai at this point and you just begin to pause and think of what God has done? Remember, God's not mentioned one time in the book, but are his fingerprints everywhere? Imagine pausing just for a moment as Mordecai and going, wow, I'm now the second most powerful man in Persia, and it wasn't that long ago that I was telling my little cousin that I adopted into my family, please be strong. It wasn't that long ago that I was dressed in sackcloth and ashes and fasting and weeping and crying before the Lord, and now, look what God has done. The enemy was gone They had so much to celebrate, but the job wasn't done because his evil edict was still in effect. If you want to see uh, cross-references to irrevocable law of the Medes and the Persians, write down Daniel 6.8, Daniel 6.12, and 15. An irrevocable law of the Medes and Persians. In many ways, the decree of death moves from the book of Esther to all of mankind. All of mankind is under the decree of death. The Bible says it's, it's destined for a man to die once, and after this comes the judgment. It says the wages of sin is what? Death, we all die, De- death is no respecter of persons. There's a decree of death that is spread to all mankind, because we are the seed of uh, Adam, if you will, and death has spread, Romans 5.12, because of that first sin, there's a death sentence on all of us. There's a decree. It's in many ways irrevocable. Something has to happen to deal with it. And uh, Jesus Christ, his death and resurrection, cancels out the decree of ordinances and so forth that was written against us, and he nails that to the cross. One writer that I read this week has suggested that had Esther come clean earlier, perhaps Mordecai would have been elevated earlier. Uh, she hid her Jewishness for some five years. And I think that's simply conjecture because we have to remember that God is providential over the story. But do you think that it's possible that we could save ourselves some pain and some extra cleanup? if we would come clean earlier on some things? It's very hard to come clean, isn't it? It's very hard to admit that you were wrong or that something has to change. So Esther spoke again, verse 3, to the king, fell at his feet, wept, and implored him to avert the evil scheme of Haman the Agagite. Again, we're reminded of the ancient battle between the Amalekites and the Jews, which we talked about in the opening of this book, and his plot, which he had devised against the Jews. Now, they could be happy, and Mordecai and Esther could say, okay, cool, things are worked out for us, great, but it's not good enough that they have, you know, had this lifted, and Haman has now been dealt with. They are concerned about the people, and so should we be too. It should not be enough for us that we are now okay, that the decree of death has been lifted from us. It should be that we are now trying to tell other people where to find life. Amen? Amen. We are witnesses of life. We are ambassadors of hope, as though God were pleading through us for people to be reconciled to God. Look for opportunities every day to see how you might share that message of life and hope. Notice the position of Esther. She is, she's been cool through the whole thing with the two banquets and the dinners, but now she simply falls at the feet of the king. She's weeping. She's begging to have this evil removed, to have the plot lifted from the Jewish people. And the king, a sign of grace as we've studied in the past, extended the golden scepter to Esther. So Esther arose and stood before the king. She had come with a burden I want to show you, uh, hold your place in Esther. turn to Romans chapter 9 for a moment. Romans chapter 9. When I saw Esther's um, appeal here, I couldn't help but think of a verse that grabbed me Romans 9 uh, very early as a Christian. And here's what the Apostle Paul says, and he's, he's saying it about the Jewish people. <clears throat> Romans 9:1. He says, "I'm telling the truth in Christ. Romans 9:1, I'm not lying." My conscience testifies with me in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and unceasing grief in my heart. For I could wish, Romans 9, 3, that I myself were accursed, separated from Christ for the sake of my brethren, my kinsmen according to the flesh who are Israelites, to whom belong the adoption as sons, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the temple service, the promises, whose are the fathers or the patriarchs, and from whom is the Christ. And remember, this book is about uh, saving a people from whom the Messiah would come. So we have a stake in the book. Whom is the Christ according to the flesh, who is over all, God bless forever, amen. Essentially, Paul says, if it were possible, I would give up my own salvation, that my people would be saved. Would you like just an inkling, a little bit of that kind of passion for the lost? I would encourage you tonight to be praying that God would give you a heart like Paul for the people of your city, the people of your family, the people of your company. I would would challenge you and I challenge myself to ask God to renew in you a passion for the lost. It's part of what makes the Christian life exciting. Go to Romans 10, look at verse one. Romans 10, verse one, as Paul continues this, he says, brethren, my heart's desire, Romans 10:1, and my prayer to God for them, that is Israel, is for their salvation. For I testify about them that they have a zeal for God, but not in accordance with knowledge. For not knowing about God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own, they did not subject themselves to the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who what? to everyone who believes or trusts in the Lord Jesus, back to the book of Esther. And so the picture of the scepter going forth, back to Esther eight, is a picture of the grace of God. A prayer that the Lord wants to answer is a prayer for the lost, a prayer for opportunities to evangelize. He will give grace and we can approach him boldly coming to the throne of grace to find uh, help in time of need. I'll tell you this, uh, I've probably over my years as a Christian prayed amiss about a number of things. But one prayer I never know I can go wrong with is to ask God to help me to clearly and boldly proclaim his gospel so that people can be saved. I think you can pretty much have a guarantee that God will answer that prayer. What a blessing that we can boldly come to our great high priest and get what we need, the grace that we need, the power, the boldness that we need in our lives. And that's because Jesus Christ has a ministry to us today, a ministry of intercession, giving grace, giving mercy, giving strength to those that he loves. Well, just as Esther is doing, as she is requesting that the king reverse this evil edict against the Jews, we can come to our Lord and say, Lord, this is what I'm going through. This is what somebody I love is going through. Would you help? Would you give your grace and mercy? Well, friend, we do have my teaching on the entire book of Esther on a flash drive. We would love to send that to you as a thank you when you give a $30 or more donation to Walk in Truth. See, radio time is not cheap and it does cost money to be on the air. But we do this because we want to reach out to people just like you. So thanks for partnering with us and supporting us, praying for us because we want to get the gospel out to everyone we can. Now you can mail in your donation or you can give online and you can get all the information when you go to walkintruth.com. Well, make sure you come back tomorrow to hear part two of Esther chapter eight. Hear how Queen Esther finishes the job and saves her people by God's gracious hand. Until then, may God bless you. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, encouraging you to reach out with God's truth to all people.